Good evening. The presenting sponsor of 30 and Nerdy Podcast is Advertising Expressions. Advertising Expressions exists to promote your business, school, church, or even your podcast, just like they do for the quite fine show, 30 and Nerdy. They promote such organizations by getting their name in front of as many as possible, as often as possible, for as long as possible. So whether you advertise on your rear window, or wear a shirt so that strangers on a train know where you work, be sure that advertising expressions can help you. After all, I confess that their service is absolutely murder. Contact them today and tell them 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you to see what deals are in store. What's up, nerds and nerdettes? You have entered the Fortress of Nerditude. Welcome to another episode of 30 and Nerdy Podcast. A special secondary episode of the week. I am your host, the Duke of Nerds, the sweet tea of the nerdy South, Tyler Mack. And joined, of course, by my co-host, the podfather of 30 and Nerdy, the doctor of nerdonomics, Josh Davis. What's up, Doc? You know, we have a saying here at 30 and Nerdy, mm. and it goes, Where there are nerds' ears, nerds' teeth are mm-hmm. nearby. Yes. And it means we're about to bite into all kinds of juicy, nerdy stuff, and y'all are going to hear all about it. Yeah, yeah, that's what it means here. That's what it means. Yeah. Last time on 30 and Nerdy Podcast, we talked a lot. <laughs> we talked a lot. A uh, lot of news in last week's episode. This well, just a few days ago episode, mm-hmm. uh, we talked a lot about entertainment news, a lot's going on in entertainment, because a lot's opening back up, thank mm-hmm. the Lord. Um, we got a lot of E3 news that we discussed, which a lot, again, came out of. Yeah. And then we talked about episode one of Loki, which was great. What an episode it was. It was a great episode. Uh, so today, we're going to do a little something fun, a little something special. There will be no uh, road so far this week, but we had so much to talk about this week that we decided we're going to do two episodes of 30 and Nerdy Podcast, the regular show, and we gave you all the news in episode one of Loki a few days ago, and now you're getting episode two of Loki, and at the podcast we are celebrating 40 years of Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Happy birthday, Indy. Ah, Indy. (laughs) <laughs> mm. I I have a personal personal love for at least the I, I in all honesty I have a personal love for Dr. Jones more than I do Han Solo and I don't know why I don't mm, know what it is I think it's because I'm a huge history buff That's true and it really hit me we have now I have now gone back and I have shown Maddie the Star Wars universe right 
I went back and watched this for the episode, mm-hmm. and I just felt more connected to Dr. Jones than Han Solo, and I love him as Indy more than I love him as Han Solo. Oh. And that may be blasphemous to a lot of people. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, I, can't I think a lot same. of it's the history of it. Could be. I uh, love history. It's my favorite subject in school. Still to this day, it's my favorite subject. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, so, that's what we are talking about this week. Uh, last week's, or, well, four days ago, episode. <laughs> you can find that wherever you cast your pod. And if you want to follow the conversation or keep up with the nerds of 30 and Nerdy Podcast, we are all over social media. Doctor, tell them where to find us. Well, of course, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and even TikTok. Mm. The easiest way to find us is to go to 30andnerdypodcast.com, slide on over to the directory, and you can easily find all of our social media whereabouts. That's not all. While you're there, you can subscribe to the Nerdly Newsletter, check out the many organizations we support, stay up to date on nerd vocabulary words. You don't want to miss that. And learn all there is to learn about the 30 and Nerdy Podcast and other friends of the show like the Council of Nerds and previous guests. That is right. And if you want to be a best friend of the show, you can sign up to be a patron at patreon.com slash badcastcompany. Now, right now, we are sitting at six patrons strong. Very thankful for those patrons. Um, Because of them, we get to do a little bit of extra stuff, some extra content and things like that. But when we get to 10 patrons, run a little contest. We're getting to 10 patrons. And if we do... Every patron will be entered into a hat and a name drawn, and that name drawn will win a massive swag package on behalf of 30 and Nerdy Podcast and all of its sponsors. Uh, so get us to 10, and we will also create an exclusive show for Patreon only. So please help us get there. We'd love to get there before uh, the end of July. So tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, and it's only $1 a month. I mean, come on. There's not a whole lot you can get for $1 a month anymore. Not even a cherry Coke. Not even a cherry Coke. Not even a Pals tea anymore because no. of the tax. Ugh. Lots of people probably don't even know what Pals is. No, they don't. Uh, being back and working in Sevierville, there are even some, I'm guessing, Sevierville-ians who apparently have not traveled even into Jeff City to know what Pals is. Mm-hmm. I've been shocked to learn that, you know, even literally like, 20 minutes down the road, there's a palace in Jeff they're City. Not, uh, they're not originally from here? They're not from I'm guessing not. They're not from around here. <clears throat> well, if you don't know what Pals is, you should you should Google it. Absolutely. It's a gym. Absolutely. But anyway, while you're doing all that stuff, also check out podchaser.com. While you're there, you can rate and review this show along with individual episodes. You'll also be able to find great shows and independent podcasters such as ODPH, Three Fat Nerds, and the East Coast Avengers. You can also find great playlist communities like the Apocalypse or Pod Nation. In those playlists, you will find podcasts with great content and fantastic hosts. So, huge shout out to all those communities we're a part of on PodChaser.com as well as on Twitter. Keep up the great work. Absolutely, and also an extra shout out uh, ODPH celebrating four years on the Pod Waves. Hey. Congratulations, guys! Also, the East Coast Avengers JT just got engaged. That's fantastic. Hey. Congratulations. Uh, Great pictures. Very excited for you. And last but certainly not least, if you are into pops and collectibles, follow our boy at Rev underscore collection for all things in the realm of pops, 
Pokemon, collectibles of any kind, go to Instagram and type this in as you listen to my voice. R-E-V underscore C-O-L-L 3-C-T-I-O-N. You will not regret it. Another shout out to all of you out there in the community. Happy Pride Month. Um, Stay strong. You've got friends here at the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. We are a safe place. And now, with the business is over, let's get on with the show. DJ Mike Howie, take us in. Yeah. It's time to nerd up or shut up. Let's get dangerous. Welcome to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, the flagship show of Badcast Company Productions. Thirty and Nerdy Podcast is an alternate reality radio show, a member of the Legion of Independent Podcasts, and part of the Council of Nerds. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Reach out using the hashtag 30andNerdyPod. You can also find us and other amazing podcasts at podchaser.com by searching The Apocalypse and Pod Nation. Got something to say? Email us at 30andNerdyPod at gmail.com or check out the website at 30andNerdyPodcast.com. Now, sit back, crank it to 11, the nerds are here. All right, nerds, this is the second episode of 30 Nerdy Podcast this week, a special celebration of Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, celebrating 40 years, and we're also going to be talking about Loki Episode 2, so fair warning. We'll be talking about that first. Spoilers are ahead. If you haven't watched it, we are partaking with a lot of other podcasts out there and other nerds in the community on the 72-hour embargo. So today, as we record, it is Friday. You will not hear this until the 72 hours is up. So we are still under the embargo. Be kind. I will say, Juice, it, I have. it's been a lot kinder out there. I've seen a lot less spoilers. Yeah, it seems like it's getting better. It's getting better. Yeah. I think it is. And But then uh, again, I'm also keeping up with things a lot better than I was now. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't be a spoiler for me anyway. That's true. That's very true. So, I don't know. Uh, okay. so we're going to get to all that, but even if it's the second episode of the week and we're doing things a little different, I still feel inclined to have a nerd word. So that's what... <laughs> okay. uh, this one's called Tonsil Quidditch. Oh, no. <laughs> tonsil Quidditch, much like the normies world of tonsil hockey, is when two nerds 
are making out. Oh. Tonsil Quidditch. Wow. Maybe if they're at the movies and they're watching the new MCU movie and there's a dull moment and, and they're on their second or third date and they just, you know, the, the hand holding, this sweaty middle school, high school palm, oh, yeah. palm hand holding. Ugh, PTSD. Um, so then they lean in and then, of course, as cliche as this sounds, making out at the movies. Ugh. And we, we jest... But every nerd has been there. Every nerd. Hopefully. Tonsil Quidditch. Use that in a sentence. Especially on TikTok. I want this one trending. Yeah. I want Tonsil Quidditch trending somehow. And tell them where you heard it. 30 and Nerdy Podcast. How's your week been? Your four days, three days, whatever. Well, uh, my, my wife decided to go to the beach with a couple of her friends. So it's just been uh, Emma and me here the past couple of days. Uh, yeah, just been having some daddy-daughter time and all that. Uh, hey, I've been, I've been working out. Have I told you this? You, you, I see the yoga mats out. Yeah, um, so I've been doing the DDP yoga. Okay. And I've, I've tried it before a couple of times, but I never really saw it through. Like, I was really into it around when my wedding was. And mm-hmm. if you look back at the pictures, I was really thin, like, and lean then. I've been doing I that, remember that for, a, you know, several weeks. Um, but yeah, I decided to pick it up again and I'm also doing this like, uh, 28 day ab workout thing along with that. So I'm doing something every single day and working out's hard, man. Like when you're, when you don't do it, you know, like a lot of people don't, but it's so hard to, to get into the habit. And they always talk about like, Oh, you know, when you, when you do it for so long and you get into it, you'll you'll look forward to it. You'll, you'll enjoy it. If you do anything for 28 days, it becomes a habit. Well, you, no. I haven't reached 28 days yet, and I'm I'm not feeling that pull of, oh, I can't wait to work I can't, out and no. sweat and <laughs> feel terrible, you know. But I'm doing it, and I decided to sort of do the yoga thing because it's like an easy thing. It's not like just jumping in and killing myself and then being sore for three days and then not being able to do anything. So I'm increasing a little bit each day, and yeah. like I can, I'm seeing results, dude. Like. I'm feeling really encouraged. I've lost a few pounds. I'm feeling stronger and more energetic, and uh, my flexibility's improving. So, you know, it's good stuff. That's good. That so, is good. If you're thinking about, you know, doing something out there, just do it. You know, that's all I can say. It's so easy to put it off and put it off like I've done for a long time. Because it was like, okay, when I'm 30, but the time I hit 30, I'm hitting it hard, man. Because, you know, my dad passed away at pretty young age. He was like in his mid forties. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, you know, that's in the back of my mind all the time. Like, yeah, I need to make sure I stay in shape. Uh, cause it was a heart issue. So, you know, I got to take care of that stuff. And finally it was like, you know what? It's time. I just got to do it. So stick with it guys. You'll see results. If you just don't make any excuses, you go for it. It's, <laughs> it sucks for a little bit. Mm. It's miserable when you're in the middle of it, but you know what? You feel good after you've done it. Uh. So, uh, as we record, it is opening night yeah. of the play that I'm in, Leaving Iowa. This is your first opening night since pandemic, right? Since, like your yeah. first live show. Yeah, this is our first, li- first live show since the course line, yeah. uh, which was pre-pandemic. So like, so it's been a year and, you know, uh, that was in January, so. Uh, six months. Six months. Year and a half. Year and a half. Wow. A year and a half since being on stage and... Uh, Encore did a live show a few, a couple months ago, you know, that, uh, almost main, mm-hmm. 
but it was still pandemic rules, you know, only yeah. so many allowed in the theater and social distance and masks. And it was cool to see live theater somewhat back, but this is like the first, like, sanctions are gone. You know, if you're not vaccinated, please wear a mask or at least be considerate of others, you know, yeah. but we're seated for 90 and tickets are selling great and theater's back in, yeah. in hamlin county thank you know thank the I'm, lord I'm coming next weekend uh I'm, I'm excited it's it's the lead role and uh the only other time i've been the lead in something is i was in eighth grade and i was tevya and fiddler on the roof a little uh, different a little different because i was in middle school um and that was a musical. This is a this is a good play. It's uh, it's called Leaving Iowa, and it's fairly new. It's a comedy um, about Don, who I play, who is in his mid thirties, and is coming home for his nephew's birthday, and uh, wants to. I'm not gonna you know give the show away. Uh, wants to take a trip that would mean uh, something to his father, who he always kind of resented and never really got and just he was the kid who was like god my parents are so lame and the second he got a chance he was gone he left and he barely came home and uh became a writer in boston and like just didn't you know families are lame and it's just oh my gosh my dad's so dorky kind of like max and goof goofy movie yeah very much like that but then the show takes a turn and it actually turns out uh somewhat sad in moments and there's heart and a lot of laughs it's a very funny movie it's been a lot of flashing back to family vacations which will obviously make you think oh god family vacations with everybody in the same vehicle and eight to nine hour drives and five hour drives to the beach and are we there yet and oh mom he won't stop pinching me or i gotta pee makes me think of like the national lampoon yes it is uh you can tell that the two writers of this are fans of Supernatural because they use a lot of things in Kansas and you can kind of tell that right, like why they base things like, oh, this, like they base something in a small town. They mentioned the small town that Don has to, ends up going to that the boys are from. And it's, oh, and then you can also tell that. I was going to say, just because they said it in no, Kansas no, doesn't but mean anything. like. It's not set in Kansas, it's set in Iowa, but it, he travels to to oh, yeah, where the boys Iowa. are from. Okay. And not many people would just randomly say, oh, this place in Kansas, unless you know Supernatural. Right. Fans of The Office, you can tell. Okay. And fans of the vacation films. Good. You can tell these two are like, oh, and let's just do this because that was funny in that movie. Did and you see the new vacation? Where Ed Helm was Ed rusty? It? No. It was pretty good, dude. Pretty good. Like... There is an especially funny moment for me because for years and years and years, there's just been this joke with Becky and me about, like, we watched Batman Forever one night, and I was like, no, wait, we got to watch the credits. She's like, what? Why? Because I have the best memories as a kid watching Batman Forever, and the credits came on, and there was this song, Kissed by a Rose by Seal. That's a great song. Okay? Great song. I, I'm a six-year, seven-year-old kid jamming out to some Seal, yeah. right? I'm like, Becky, we gotta listen to this song. She she didn't even know the song. I was like, <gasps> and she just thought it was hilarious. I was like, no, we have to listen to the Seal song. <laughs> There's this moment in the movie where Ed Helms turns on the radio and that song's on. He's like trying to get everybody to sing Kiss by a Rose with him. Oh, it's so funny. It's yeah. epic. Yeah. Oh, 
But it's yeah. the only good part of Batman Forever. Well, okay. If Jim, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey's Riddler's Jim good. Yeah. Two Face is good. It's yeah. just I don't really like Schumacher's Batman movies well, that much. Uh, but anyway, so, so excited for you. Thank like, you. you know, this um, is, I'm excited. You've definitely been jonesing for some uh, some theater. Theater. You know. Uh, so break a leg. Thank you. Have a good show. I'll be there next weekend. Good. Can't good, wait to good, see good. it. Good. Very exciting. Yeah. Uh, if you listen to the show and you're in the area, able to drive, I highly recommend it. Uh, leaving Iowa, we are at the Rose Center in Morristown, Tennessee. Uh, opening tonight, which is Friday, uh, the 18th, and running two weekends. So go to uh, EncoreTheatricalCompany.com for ETC more. ETCPlays.org. Yes. ETCPlays.org is the quicker way. Uh, to For more information. It's it's funny. If, if you listen to this show and you're within driving distance of Morristown, I think you would you would benefit from it you're getting out you're supporting local arts and it's all about summer and vacations and it's a very loving father-son story and what sunday father's day yeah great oh, time of course great yeah. time great it's time a, to it's it. a great cast too i know that for a fact so it, yeah uh check it out yeah yeah not to sound biased but yeah it's a pretty good cast yeah. <laughs> um so that's been going on very excited uh father's day's coming up we're going to spend most of the afternoon tomorrow at the pool very excited for that, and uh, summer vacation for us as a family is right around the corner, and you know what else is around the corner? Your birthday! Hey, that's right. 32. 32, yes. and Black Widow, so we again, for the first time in how long, get to celebrate yeah. the way we used to, Mexican restaurant and a Marvel movie. Yeah. Dude. Oh yeah, it feels like it's been so, so, yeah. so long. But that was definitely our thing. Mm-hmm. I re- do you remember when we were <laughs> the Mexican restaurant that we go to is in the mall with the movie theater? Do you remember when we left <laughs> the restaurant one day and we were going to see Infinity War mm-hmm. and we were like, "Dude, are you ready for this? Everything's about to change. Like this is going to be epic. Everything's going to be different after this, you know?" Yeah. And then by the end, like half of all the heroes are gone and everything. But yeah. I'll never forget that. So, yeah, we, we get excited about that stuff. It's a fun tradition. It's going to be my birthday. It's going to be a lot of fun. The last time we did that was Birds, Birds of, Prey. of Prey. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it'll be yeah. so good. So, so good. So, we are talking first about episode two of Loki. Just to let you know, be forewarned, we've told you a few times that there will be spoilers every episode moving forward because we're going to talk about loki in every episode so episode two happened this past wednesday and with that and the success of loki it is now surpassed falcon winter soldier slowly moving up towards Mm -hmm. uh mandalorian and uh wandavision and with that comes they're moving to wednesdays all disney plus Marvel releases will be on Wednesdays now, mm-hmm. not Fridays, which I think is smart. Yeah. I, th- I think Wednesdays, I am not dead to the world yet. Yeah, uh, but I teach high school kids who are young and, and don't have to sleep as much, and they stay up until 3 in the morning when it drops and watch it. And if I don't see it, they come in right away. Hey, did you did you know? Did you see? Did you see? I'm like, ah, get out, get out, get out. So sometimes, you know, if it's like a Friday morning and I get up and it's like, yeah, it's okay. I can kind of rest when I come home yeah. after school today. In the middle of the week, ooh, I don't think I can pull it off. That's a valid, valid so, point. 
Luckily, this one will be over by the time school starts. But yeah, in the future, I got to be careful. Gotta you are gonna, or you're gonna have to get up, get some darker coffee, get get going. Yeah, get up like an hour earlier. Yeah. you know, I can try that. Yeah, because I don't. Sure. I, I I uh speaking of coffee, uh, it just came in the mail. Um, for our uh our our store, our, our GM uh got us. Uh, you know, Kevin Smith has also entered the coffee and hot sauce game. What? Yeah, he has two things of coffee out now. One is called, uh, I I assure you this is coffee. And it's got the, the Clark's store. It's got uh-huh. the storefront. And then the other one is movie, Movies Coffee. Yeah. And I didn't Do get any... Do either of them have CBD infused No, in it? no. But the gas Surprise. station one does taste like stout gas station coffee. Okay. But at the same time, it doesn't taste as bad as cheap stout gas. It's, it's weird. I'm going to have to get my hands on that. It's pretty You know good. what makes it better is because it's Kevin Smith. Absolutely. The, his is. website for what he's working on is called Food Askew. Food Askew. Um, it's fun. It's good I stuff. I that, though. man. It's good stuff. Um, so you're going to have to get the coffee going. And once school starts back, you got to be one. You cannot yeah. let these teenagers... I don't trust these kids, man. I don't trust them when it comes to this stuff. I remember when Endgame came out, and we were waiting a few days to see it because we were going to Chattanooga to meet up with Logan. And there were some kids who came in at the middle school who had seen it. And it was a kid that I knew (laughs) didn't like me very much. So I said, hey, guys, movie day. Popped the movie on. I went to the back of the room and sat there and watched them. (laughs) <laughs> because I distract them. Don't talk to me. Don't be around me. Exactly. Yeah. Learn from the love guru. Yeah. Ultimate distraction. Exactly. <laughs> that was it. All right. So let's get into Loki. great episode more emotion i thought the emotion was going to be out of the way after one episode but more emotional scenes sure more sadness um which this was the second this episode was the second time that owen wilson has visited pompeii did you know that um not at the museum too (laughs) i knew it yes Wow, Pompeii. Uh, So, great episode. Uh, We open up, and he's somewhat part of the team, but not part of the team. He's got his own little desk, and he's learning. He's like orientation with Miss Minutes. Yeah, uh, 3D Miss Minutes now. Yeah, voiced by the fantastic Tara Tara Strong. Strong. Um, Oh, but even before that, there was the thing at the... Was it at the Renaissance Fair? The Ren Fair, nineteen eighty five. And uh Oshkosh. Um there I guess that's where the Loki had been Yes took control of the of the uh T V A C one twenty, I think was And they name. were playing holding out for a hero by Bonnie Tyler. Mm-hmm. Man, Bonnie Tyler's making bank Off just this song. summer because like the uh Masters of the Universe teaser trailer used Holding Out for a Hero. 
Loki's used it. It was in the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, upcoming video mm-hmm. game trailer. Mm-hmm. And I think it was in even something else recently. I can't remember. I know but it was like, in the original Footloose. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But I will say the best use of it will always be Shrek 2. Oh, Shrek 2 <laughs> was the number one. Absolutely. That's Best actually, use of that song. That, I think that's the first time I ever heard that song. Oh, such a good song. Oh, yeah. That is a great song. It really and is. Like, of course you would use it for a superhero. And this is and this is thing. epic moment because she barely she barely gets into the tent and C one twenty, I guess was her her ID, which very few people that we've met in the time uh in the T V A have actual names. Right. They're all numbers. Mobius M Mo- Mobius. Yeah, Mobius M Mobius C one C fifteen and Casey. Casey C one twenty is the one that gets kind of touched in the right. in the temple by Loki, which we've seen the scepter do that, mm-hmm. but we've never seen just the touch by Loki. Mm-hmm. So it's this is a new power from the variant Loki that they're chasing. Yeah. Hooded Loki looks like something out of Kingdom Hearts or Assassin's Creed right now. Oh yeah. Um, so Loki just touches and possesses instantly and starts wrecking hell on her own people and. Uh, then she passes out, C-120 does, and Loki comes up and impels the other one, but takes, for the first time, takes a hostage of some mm-hmm. sort. Takes C-120 with with Loki. And, uh, which was epic because it's so, somewhat Loki, but obviously this shows us this variant Loki is a little bit more hardcore. Oh, ruthless. Ruthless. Yeah. We've seen Loki do, you know, like, Loki did kill Coulson, but it, he was pretty, like, a, well, a have to. And our Loki always seems to meet his match. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he loses a lot. Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe this Loki's, This one's ruthless. Yeah. This Loki's ruthless. Maybe she's, maybe she's better. Maybe she's stronger. And then we get the orientation moment. Funny stuff with Miss Minutes and Loki and... Right. There's already a funny, like, Owen Wilson tells him, don't read my jet ski magazine. Don't, why are you, go- that's my, that's my magazine. I love the, uh, the, the, the chemistry between yes. the two. I love that dynamic. And that's what's been great about these Disney shows is they've pit together people with such great off-screen chemistry. Because it shows on screen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can tell when someone doesn't have good chemistry off-screen. Just if, especially if you're in theater or you're a movie buff or you're into like this side of entertainment, you can really tell real quick. Oh, they didn't really like each other, or they're just not really clicking on screen. So they probably didn't click off screen. Um, so so what are some things that stood out to you early on in this? Um, the part where uh, <laughs> Loki sees for the first time all these different versions of him, like. The big monster, monster you know, Hulk Loki, hulked out Loki, and and this demonic looking, yeah, Loki all the too, like a little versions. creature out of like some ancient lore book. Love that because they're like, yeah, Loki's no big deal. We've we've purged out. What yeah. do you call it? Not purge. Uh, um, what's the word? Oh no. Oh, re- like when they have to reset. Well, the... they they like disintegrate them. Oh, like the um, they purge them out when they're fixing timelines. They yeah, purge out. The... There's a name for it. Prune. Pruning. Yeah, when they yeah. prune them. It's like, oh yeah, we've pruned hundreds of these guys. And yeah. like, what? Hundreds? Like, just reinforcing more that, you know, you ain't as good as you think you are, yeah, buddy. You ain't you the know, only you're really, guy. You're really nothing special. You're about. not the first to try to take over anything. You're not the first Loki we personally have dealt with. 
I, he's, yeah. There's also this scene where he's describing his powers. Oh yeah, like the the copying yourself and the whatever. Yeah, I, I can't remember what he gave this big scientific explanation of yeah, his powers. He, I, I would love to just get to watch Hiddleston explain something. Just him doing that as Loki explaining his powers to these people who are supposed to be, you know, um, omniscient and 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 all that and all knowing. And he's like, but you, you already knew, you already knew that, obviously. Yeah. I'd love to see Hiddleston like narrate a story. That whole scene there where he's sort of like, oh, I see a scheme and I see myself and the thing about uh, where there are wolves' ears, wolves' teeth are near. Be aware of your surroundings, man. Tom, oh, uh, one Mr. D- Thomas Hiddleston, he's slick, boy. I mean, he he's is. so good. He, what is it the kids say? He really claps, he slaps, he's slaps. got slaps, whatever. Yeah, yeah he, that. Claps and slaps means to- two totally different things to this generation, so. Well, I know yeah. one meaning of. Slaps is good. Well, I was the other, say one the is, other one is. Yeah. I don't know if kids know that one or not. Don't. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> but yeah, he's great. He's great. Uh, I love uh, love watching that scene where he's sort of like schooling all the TVA people. Yes. And then he's there's I think there's a couple things I'm not clear on. Like, why is he looking through these files? Is he he's just trying to find something to do or what? And then he stumbles onto the uh, Ragnarok apocalypse he, files. Well, no, I, he said he's been told to study. Okay. And he's like, well, they're going to send me to the library. I'm going to see how far I can push this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, what can I study? Oh, in the library. This is obviously where they keep all the records. So let me just see. Sh- sh- yeah. moment. That was funny. Yeah. Let me just see what I can do. Yeah. Which I feel like the um, the librarian is is a is a blueprint cliched character. Yeah. That, you know, poor librarians. <laughs> Anytime they're in movies. They get a bad rap. They get a bad rap. They get a bad rap. Uh, but him yet again delivering with the facial performance mm-hmm. of reading the file About because Ragnarok. he saw what what his future would have been. Mm-hmm. And if you notice, the last his file didn't end with Thanos choking him out in the video. His file ended with his brother crying over his dead body. That's true. So that's the last thing Loki sees. Yeah. Isn't Thanos killing wow. him? He sees Thor crying over his dead oh, body. I didn't even think and, about that. And then to read this, 977 plus thousand dead Asgardians in this world-ending, catastrophic Ragnarok. And and the ca- the camera pans up on his, just on his face, and he doesn't cry. But you can see the you water in his eyes. You can see the emotion for sure. You yeah. can see it kind of building up in his yeah. eyes like, oh my God, mm-hmm. th- they really are gone. And somehow this inspires him of, oh, if the world is ending anyway, or this, you know, there's about to be this apocalyptic event here yeah. in this place, you can do whatever you want and it's not going to matter because it's going to get wiped out anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's what leads him to, oh, I bet if I'm thinking of this, the other me is probably mm-hmm. doing that too and hiding out in these apocalyptic events. Yeah. All right. Which so, is brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant so, for the writers, brilliant, like, that's smart to think about. So I, what I was confused on was, like, all the times that we've seen the other Loki, was that supposed to be, was that supposed to be an apocalyptic event? But I guess not, right? No, because this is just, while while the variant Loki is planning 
Well, she's they, running up on the TVA people to steal their their bombs. Time, bombs, time bombs, right? Yeah. And then after she does that, she hides in the apocalyptic Yeah, the apocalyptic places, events. Right, because yeah. she can do whatever and it won't matter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Got it. So, speaking of the plan, and Loki will be like, oh my gosh, we've got to try this. This, you know, explanation at Mobius's lunch table... Yeah. It's so Loki, and so like like I'm gonna, you know. I never stab anyone I'm, in the back. I'm really, I really am explaining a fantastically made plan, but at the same time, I'm screwing with your salad while doing it. Like, he's doing something good and right, but it's still mischievous little Loki. Like I'm effing with your salad. And I was surprised that Mobius even has to eat. Like, okay, I I have questions about these TVA people. Because I thought that they were like some sort of magical being. That... There's no magic. That's right. Well, but they were made somehow. Like, do they? Timekeepers did apparently make they... them. So they're living, breathing people. Obviously, so mm-hmm. like they still have to eat and they have to sleep and stuff. I mean, so like, do they reproduce? Do they? Are they magical? Go to just the bathroom. Grown? Do they just appear? Like, I how does this think. Work? And after this episode. I think even more that this is all a lie. Oh, yeah. Because of the Kang thing. The Kang thing and the timekeepers are actually lying to them. They're like gods. They're like these deities, okay? And how do you become a deity? You get enough people to believe in you, and it's real. So what if these timekeepers didn't really create them? There isn't really all these crazy rules. There really isn't like some heaven that they're going to go mm. to because even mobius is like you know when it well what about when it ends well when it ends it'll just be rule and peace and no time lines to worry yeah. about and it'll just be end and we'll all be together and we'll all what if all that's a lie what if this religion of time that these timekeepers mm. have raised these people on what if these people aren't born there right. what if all of them aren't born there what that's if some good, of them are yeah. minds erased and they work for them okay so I feel like this is going to be a failed religion at the end of this. That's okay. what it's going to feels like okay. to me. And Loki's going to bring it all crashing down, eventually, and that's going to have like Mobius and uh, Renslayer, the mm-hmm. Judge, be mm-hmm. like, "Holy crap! They've been lying to us mm-hmm. this entire time." You know, these three giant lizard people aren't really who they say they are. Maybe they. You know, yeah, that's I probably mean, I, it. I, it. It would be fantastic if they did that. And Loki's like, "See, not God. That would God, be that would be interesting because they had that conversation about you know Loki saying, oh, you know the Time Lords and all this stuff. It's crazy.' And and Owen Wilson was like, "Well, yeah, but like Odin, Asgard, you know stuff like that. That's that sounds crazy too. But the TVA is my life, and that's yeah. what I believe in. So yeah. to." see him come to that realization of everything that I knew just sort of like Loki too yeah. like oh the infinity stones mean nothing nothing means yeah. anything you know that would be interesting it would be a great setup to set it up as like wow we were both lied to our most of our mm-hmm. existence yeah and we fought and died people died for things they believed in that were lies well that would make a lot more sense because I was thinking it was like when a mommy time lord and a daddy time lord <laughs> love each other very much they <laughs> <laughs> they give each they other a call special this hug. stork, and the stork brings this swaddling timekeeper child. Or that. Yes. 
Uh, but I and also that's the the salad scene was fantastic, <laughs> hilarious. Uh, them going to Pompeii was funny. Uh, because he just runs in and he's like, he's like, we're just wanting to watch Logie. We're just watching. Okay. I'm just watching this radar and all we have to do is wait for, and he's just looking around just like, ah, I'm getting bored, you know, and just goes and starts, this isn't going to prove my point if we're just watching. Right. We've got to wreck things. We've got to upset the status quo. We've got to tell these people, Hey, that volcano's about to die. We've got to try to change the future. We've got to try to change things because that means it's going to derive from your timeline, your precious little timeline. So he goes in and starts speaking perfect Italian and saying, hey, I'm from the future and this volcano's going to blow up and you're all going to die. Um, so. Which they do. Which they do. It still happens and the, ra- the, the sonar thing does not go off. Yeah. The timeline's still intact, which proves Loki's point. So, one for Loki. Um. We had the return of Casey in that great scene at the lunch table, too. Love that guy. He's hilarious. <laughs> uh, the moment when uh, he's like, oh, I, I, would, I would never stab anyone in the back. That's such a boring way to betray someone. He's like, but you've literally done it like 50 times. I'd never do it again. I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> yeah, that was such a good scene. That's been that's probably been my favorite scene of both On episodes Disney, so yeah. far. That little interaction at the lunch table. Along with Loki seeing the rest of his Ugh. intended timeline. That was a good one, too. But, yeah. Anything else? What's next? Next, what they I, go to Haven Hill, Alabama. Alabama. Oh, Forrest Gump references. Haven Hill, 2050. 2050. Alabama. The, something about the bubble gum leads them there. Yeah. Um, so, what's funny is when they're going through the timelines of... Uh, these uh, apocalyptic moments that are supposed to happen. The 2048, the 2032, the mm. stuff like that. The 2032, or the first one he says, is uh, it's not the um, the weather crisis or the um, environment. He, he they, they threw in a little bit of a, like, a look, hey, you know, this can be a, a world-ending threat if we don't take care of our environment. Sure. Um, but the fact that it's in Alabama, first off, boo, on Alabama, but uh, this, go the Go Vols, this Walmart-esque, Rocksmart, yeah. which insinuates this company bought out Walmart, Rocks, uh, Roxon, they're from the comics, Rocks, uh, whatever, yeah, big Rocks company, Roxcorp, something like that. Um, has now bought out Sam Walton's company within this universe and has like little Walmart set up. That says that's an Easter egg right there. Um, I was thinking it was just like that world's version of it's this Walmart. company. That's that's a wholly deep rabbit hole. We'll we'll go into uh, see if even if it means anything or it's just a funny little play. Yeah, but. We're in this shopping center, so imagine a Walmart being used for a safe haven for a local community, and all these people are scared, they're in blankets, this will pass, right. you know. Typical cliche. And they're, they're about to split up, and Mobius is like, me and Loki will go, and 150 goes, no. Loki will go with me. You know, so still no trust, obviously. And... 
So we get this, her and him are just walking and talking. And when they get to this random bystander looking at plants, she goes, excuse me, what are you doing? He goes, I'm looking at these plants. And this Loki just goes, uh, in a hurricane? And he's like, this is special. And he goes, she goes, would that be you? And he goes, oh, well, I'd wear a suit. Yeah. But yeah, it could be. <laughs> and it turns out to be yeah. variant Loki. Possesses her, body drops. They fight for a little bit. Possesses someone else, body drops. Me, I presume. If anyone's anyone, you're me. <laughs> Perfect little, like, funny, anytime there's that, that cliched, like, no, it's me, no, no, no. Oh, so you just good dialogue here. Mm-hmm. Very good dialogue between variant Loki and our variant Loki. Um, so he body, this Loki body d- jumps a few times. Great fight scenes, great dialogue. Loki is immediately like, we could work together. Team up. Let's do get help. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, and obviously, like, for maybe a second, you can tell the variant was like, maybe. But then again, you're me. And I know me. And I'm not working with anybody. And so, I mean, this is pretty much the moment when she reveals herself. Yes. You know, we got Lady Loki here. The actress is Sofia DiMartino. Mm-hmm. She is a British actress of Italian descent. Uh, and she says, this isn't about you. What's it about? I wonder. Cause what she, she knows the truth about the TVA. She's trying to bring them down. She's trying to bring them down. Uh, because after being in her head, C-120 is messed up. She's like, I saw it, I saw it, it's all real, it's all real, it's all real, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You gave everything away. I gave everything away, I saw it, it's real, it's real, it's real. I'm like, what's real? What did she see? And then she's like, I told them where where to find the timekeepers. I gave away their location. So, I mean, and this is a six-episode arc, so we're already getting into episode three. You can't, there's no slow. Yeah. From here on out, it's like boom, 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 boom. And so C-120 has given the secrets away of where the timekeepers are. Lady Loki is like, I am not working with you. However, her crown gave me feelings. Have you seen Enchantress, Marvel's Enchantress? Mm -hmm. Uh, Amora, I think is her name. Big Thor villain. Big Thor villain. What if it's her? Could be. That's true. I mean, she's got a lot of similar abilities. Uh well you know I hadn't thought about that but that's that that's a good theory because I, I don't again not fully I don't want to fully speculate I want to enjoy but just seeing her yeah. crown her and some of the abilities that our Loki doesn't have it made me think what if it's not Loki what if it can do the yes exactly the thing where you take over somebody or whatever because our because Marvel's Enchantress and DC's Enchantress are very similar in uh, characters so. You know, that that would make a lot of sense because I was wondering why she didn't have the accent. Like, she didn't... Come from Asgard. She was not like Loki. She didn't have that Loki air about her. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's interesting. And, like, to know that she's a British actress and they didn't ever do the accent, eh, there might be a reason for that. So, yeah. And if she's not Enchantress, if she is female Loki, what is it about? If it's not about bringing down the lying timekeepers and ending the TVA... Could her Thor have died? And even though they may... Maybe her and Thor and her timeline or multiverse or whatever aren't enemies. And 
she's like, I've got to reset that. Or I've got to find a timeline where my... Maybe we'll uh, see her again, no matter what happens. Maybe we'll see her again in Thor Love and Thunder uh, versus Natalie Portman. Yes, Thor. Lady Loki and Lady Thor. Yeah. Because she does, even after all this great dialogue between her and Hiddleston, and uh, finally, like, you know, kicked his, has kicked his butt as four different bodies. Um, and she... Dr- goes through with her plan. They don't stop her. Mm-hmm. She, what she's done is she has rigged thousands of these bombs that erase the timeline. And Loki finds out, well, translation disintegrates everything in the vicinity. So she releases all those bombs into different timelines. Yeah, it sets off several different branches. branches. Multiverses, going crazy. if you will, possibly. Yeah. And... And this guy at the computer says, someone's bombed the sacred timeline. This could, if you think about it, this moment could potentially turn out to be even more meaningful than the snap. You know? Yeah. Like, like you said, it's like, could be creating multiverses here. Because in all honesty, I do think that every step we take... Is getting us to multiverse events. Yes, yeah, I think so. Truthfully, yeah, it's supposed to. Whether on Disney Plus or in the movies currently, we're mm-hmm. getting towards multiverse. Yeah, and that's you know the big cataclysmic thing that's going to happen before the next Avengers is right. this multiverse of madness movie. So it got me thinking. I was like, oh my god, is she creating her own timelines? Why? Why would someone want to bomb this timeline? And have these alternate possible like because you think of the Back to the Future movies. The dark Biff timeline, mm-hmm. where Biff gets the almanac and becomes extremely rich, and, and Marty's, you know, Doc's dead, and, and his family's dead, and, and his mom's married to Biff and kind of a slave. And mm-hmm. so, like, you're creating multiple of those. And, and, I mean, we'll get the answers. I'm not like saying, like, oh, this episode, you know, didn't give me up. Ep- I didn't get answers in episode two, you know. <laughs> Darn. Um, four more to go, people. Four more to go. Uh, I I really hope, to be honest, that there are multiple seasons if this is the kind of stuff they're going to do. Yeah. I do. I, I didn't need multiple seasons of WandaVision. It was a one and done, but I could see multiple seasons of this. I, I could, agree. especially if for the next phase or two we're playing with time and multiverses. Yeah, just got to see where everything goes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Anything else stick out to you? Yeah. Great episode. I, I uh, love that he... Uh, he ran after. He went, went after, and he yeah. he says he wants to earn trust. And I think when he looked back at them and they said, Loki, no, don't go. I don't think I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't think he left to escape them. I think he, his thought process is, i got to stay on her. I've got to figure out something. Like, if we'll be back at square one. If I Could stay be. here with them. Because I feel like... Also, there's dialogue for a reason. And Loki has this habit of screwing you over and then doing the right thing in the end. Mm-hmm. So, that could be. I mean, you know, you brag about Disney and their details. Mm-hmm. Dialogue in the beginning was him and Owen talking about... Uh, I'm always five steps ahead. You know, I've got a plan on a plan on a plan. And like... You know, I'm, always, I'm already working my own angle, and I'm already ahead. 
I don't think some of that dialogue would have happened if there's not going to be like a Loki was ahead the whole time. Could be. He knew that he needed to go now. Yeah. There was no wait. There was no plan. You have to go now sometimes. And he's, I mean, I, I that's just what I think. I think that he's like, look, we'll, we'll be out back at square one. Hard I'll, to tell where Loki's allegiance is lost. He might be like, I don't know if I could find her again. So. But he did say he would never do it again. He said he would never stab anybody in the back ever again. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe we should just take his word for it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just god of mischief. And at least until the next episode. Yeah, exactly. So, what were your all's thoughts? Let us know. Hashtag 30NerdyPod on Twitter. We are going to take a quick break, step away for a second, and when we get back, we are going to be celebrating 40 years of Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Yeah. Tennessee Legend Distillery was founded in 2015 and has quickly become one of the top distilleries for natural extracts and ingredients in its spirits. With no high fructose corn syrup, artificial sweeteners, or harmful ingredients, Tennessee Legend Distillery has four locations in the state of Tennessee. Without Newport, Sevierville, Cookville, and Nashville distilleries. You see, at Tennessee Legend Distillery, we have spent more time focused on the quality of our spirits than the number of our stores. We have a great selection of non-flavored spirits as well, like vodka, bourbon, whiskey, and gin. Tennessee Legend Distillery has multiple awards and medals for state, national, and international spirit contests, and even carries 2019's Best Tasting Whiskey in the State of Tennessee with our Salted Caramel 60 Proof Whiskey. We offer discounts for veterans, active military, nurses, police officers, firefighters, first responders, and even multiple bottle discounts. Don't live in Tennessee? We ship to select states. Go to GACraftSpirits.com to see if we deliver to you. That's G-A-C-R-A-F-T. S-P-I-R-I-T-S dot com. If you stop by the Sevierville location, tell them 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you and be a legend with Tennessee Legend Distillery by receiving a free shot glass and 15% off of your order. What are you waiting for? Cheers to you. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. Now I'm JVD. We're your hosts of the Fictional Battle Podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on thevillainsdemand.com. What's up, nerds? Welcome back. (laughs) 
Uh, just another <laughs> franchise that John William has graced us with. It wouldn't be the same without him no. on any of them. So many movies would be yeah. complete bollocks without John Williams. Bollocks. Bollocks. Bollocks, he says. So, we are talking and celebrating 40 years of Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And this movie, I want uh, to say, is it my favorite. Possibly. franchise? I really, 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 really detest... <laughs> the Crystal Skull. Most people do. <laughs> um, I don't hate Temple of Doom. Uh, Kali Ma is a, is a terrifying villain. And all that. And Short Round is in it, and that's funny. Daka Jones, Daka Jones. But this indie girl is the best. Marion. Marion yeah. is. Cause it, and she is the best, because even though the movie's crap, she comes back and ends up being... You know, the mother of Mutt, his yeah. son, played by <sighs> poor Lewis Stevens, um, who was supposed to carry on the franchise, but that didn't work. Yeah. Um, so Some things are, you know, happen for a reason. Yeah, Probably exactly. This is going to be the last one coming up. Yeah. Harrison's already said this is the last one. And in about five years, Chris Pratt can reboot it. Hey, that's true. It'd be a good ending. Yeah, it would. Already owned by Disney. Talking about Chris, not Indiana. <laughs> so uh, let's get into this. Let's get into this. What were your first? What's your first memory? I think I probably saw when I was ten years old, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I thought it was great. But uh, the ending, I was not expecting. Yeah. That ending stuck with me for a couple of days as a young ten-year-old. Uh, yes. You know, I never yes. seen anything like that before, and especially an action adventure movie that's you know you think sort of. Prime for kids. It's PG. A little you don't hokey really and liney. Expect that you know, at all? You know, plus it's got it's the like one-liners, Han Solo, and yeah. everything. So you know, yeah, it got me off guard a little bit. But yeah, I loved it. I yeah. loved the whole. I, I believe it. Time. I was probably about the same age, and I remember watching it at my grandmother and grandfather's house, and because they had the original. NES game and an original NES of Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones video game. Mm -hmm. And most of it, you're on minecarts the whole time anyway, and it's, you know, so 8-bit. And I remember it. And I remember, like, playing that game before I had even seen Indiana Jones. And my grandfather being like, you know, you don't even know who Indiana is. So let's watch the movies. And they had the VHSs of the first three. And... Um, well, the only three, if you ask me. <laughs> um, so we, we, one weekend, watched uh, all three Indiana Jones VHS tapes and fell in love with it, and I loved the aspect of him kind of crypt diving because before there was Laura Croft, before there was The Mummy, there was Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. And uh, I loved the whip, the hat, the shirt, the way it was, and, and the ruggedness, and he was very... Wyatt Earp, Doc Holliday of this generation, that, that tough neck and the theme song and his fear of snakes. And I was like, he's just, there's something different about him than there is Han. And I don't, I love Han, but like there's something about Harrison in this role. Kind of like my favorite Harrison role is probably The Fugitive that he's ever done. Come yeah, on. not some big franchise, The Fugitive. 
or the president of the United States. Jeez. He's a pretty good president. Um, but my, that was my first memory. And it was my me and my grandmother and grandfather. And I stayed with them one weekend, and they introduced me to Indiana Jones mm. and loved it. And it wasn't most of what they did because, I mean, this was Lucas. This was yeah. the same guy who gave us Star Wars. Right. He actually had the idea for Indiana Jones before he did Star Wars. And he just sort of, you know, set it aside uh, for the time so he could then go on and do Star Wars, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Steven Spielberg was talking to him one day. He was like, you oh, I really want to do something sort of based on, like, those old serials, like the old Saturday matinee movies with the, you know, the the, the, the melodrama, like the, the rugged, handsome hero saving the damsel in distress and, uh, and, and the, you know, the villain or whatever. And so that was sort of what it was based on. And they said, we want to add the idea that there's this little supernatural element to it when he's searching yeah. for these artifacts with supernatural abilities and, and things like that. But not too high fantasy. No, not at I mean, all. Because at the end of the day, it's supernatural, but it's real enough to have you... What if he did open the ark? Yeah. What if something, I mean, finding the the Holy Grail? Right. Sure, maybe it is blessed by Jesus since he drank from it. And maybe. It's it's real enough to make you think, but it's supernatural enough to add that <gasps> aspect to it. And I think that's another reason I really love Indiana Jones, because right. I was like, it's still somewhat pretty real. Yeah. And it showed us these exotic locations that were like, surely these places are fake. And you find out, no. This, these cultures and these places, even today in 2021, a lot of them still do exist. Mm-hmm. So primitive and just off the grid and not really any technology and tribes of these people still exist. And he's also been to Area 51. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. But hey, you know. With Lady Galadriel and <laughs> Beowulf. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Jeez. So, let's get into this. So, some facts here. It was released June 12th of 1981. A full eight years before you were born. Yeah. I was also... No, 81? I'm oh, not that yeah. old. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I am a few months from being eight years as a... Uh, that's what I mean. that's Yeah, what yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and by a few months, eight years before I was born. So, 81, let's think. Um, for this time, I would imagine we had just gotten... We, Empire Strikes Back. We had just gotten Strikes Back. Uh, shortly before. Yes. And I believe Jaws. I can't remember what year Jaws came out. Let's... You might be right. There is an app. Before that, 1975. Oh, yeah. So Jaws had come out 1975, six years before this. Empire had just come out, the best Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, no argument. You can say arguably, but we'll say that just to be fair. But uh, so Spielberg had had a track record already by right. now of success. Mm-hmm. So had Lucas, and Harrison's like, ah, sure, I'll co- you know, I'll team up with. 
George Lucas again in a heartbeat. I I want to say I may be wrong about this, but I I want to say that after George had done Star Wars and he was showing it, you know, to, to people, everybody hated it except for Steven Spielberg. Spielberg was the only one who was like, "Oh, this is great! It's going to be great!" You know, and mm-hmm. of course, turns out he was right. Boom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Steven Spielberg at the helm, story written by George Lucas and Philip Kaufman. I mean, this is a team, mm-hmm. especially in '81. They're in their well, I mean, they're in their prime, but I really would say that they, anything they've touched since then, you could say is their prime, especially Spielberg. The start of their prime. Yes, the start of their prime. The budget, <laughs> such a low budget, <laughs> $20 million. Yeah, especially by today's standards. Yeah, but the box office dominated at $389.9 million. It was the highest grossing film of that year. That's right. And then because it, you know, became such a huge part of of our culture and everybody loved it so much, it was iconic, it was preserved in the National Film Registry at the Library of Congress in 1999. To my recollection, uh, Spielberg has uh, four that I specifically know of that are in in Congress. It's uh, Close Encounters, Jaws, Indiana Jones, and E.T. Right. So, boom. Under your belt. I mean, it's a heck of a... And, of course, George has Indiana Jones, technically, because he wrote the story, and Star Wars. (laughs) So, uh, dominated at the box office, but even to this day, 389 million... Okay, pre-pandemic, 389 million might not garnish you a sequel at, at, like, Disney. Yeah. It probably would be Why like, ah, uh, just, just, it wasn't what we thought. But 81, that's a buttload of cash. That's a lot. That's a lot of money. So, it won some Oscars. Yeah, five of them. It won uh, Best Art Direction, Best Film Editing, Best Sound, Best Sound Editing, and Best Visual Effects. So it's like, not the awards that you hear a lot about all the best time. Best film, but, best you know, actor, but still. still pretty good. Visual effects probably coming from that, you know, crazy Ugh, ending yes, uh, scene. We will get to that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so, I know one thing that shocks you the most about this movie is it's rated PG. Right. <laughs> because if you do look at some of the action scenes and what happens at the end, today that'd be an R. For sure. This movie would be rated R. Yeah. Or, you know, PG-13 at the most. Yes. Definitely. Mostly what gets you R these days is the F word. Yeah. That's what gets you an R. And nudity. So this would probably be a PG-13 today. Right. But in 81, I mean, PG, that's what? You could be 12 and see it on your own? Yeah. I mean, I guess. Uh, Initially, though, it was going to be classified as an R rating due to Belloc's exploding head. Yes. But they inserted some flames over that to sort of kind of disguise it a little bit. So then they went back on it and gave him the PG. So they can get away with the PG thing because all the people who are blowing up and dying (laughs) and getting chopped up by, you know, the propeller on an airplane and stuff, they're Nazis. They're terrible people. So, you know, no big deal. Right, and a lot of people view this movie as sort of like a, a symbolism of like the Jews' revenge on the Nazis for the Holocaust. Steven Spielberg is Jewish, yep. right? Okay, uh, so it's like you know, after the Holocaust, now this is coming back. This is a Jewish religious artifact 
killing all these Nazis, blowing yeah. them up. You know, yeah. almost like the Lord got his revenge for his people. Yeah. Told you not to open the box. What's uh, in the box? What's in the box? Your head. <laughs> so you said something to me in a previous recording when we were talking about what we were going to do next. And we were planning June and we were planning July. Yeah. And I believe this was shortly after our 100th episode. And you, you said, oh, yeah, and there's this belief that he has nothing really to do with the plot line. And I was He's, like, it's Indiana Jones. Of course he does. And you went, no, think about it. Yeah. At least in this one. And you started listing things. And I was like, <gasps> right. holy crap. Sort of changes things a little it bit. It does. So, yeah. Is, so, so is, please elaborate. Is Indy irrelevant to the outcome of this story? So it's this sort of popular theory. Uh, if you go on uh, HBO Max or you know wherever you watch The Big Bang Theory, season seven, episode four, uh, it's called The Raiders. Something I can't did remember. you just supernatural Big no, Bang? For... No, I had it written down. Oh, okay. I had it written down. Gotcha. Sorry, I, I thought you just good. plucked that one out of. No, sir. Okay. I'm not that good. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, that was sort of the first time that I became aware of it. So uh, Sheldon is sitting down on the couch with Amy, his, his girlfriend, Amy Farrah Fowler, and they watch the movie, and you know you can hear the music. And Sheldon loves Raiders of the Lost Ark, so he looks at Amy like, okay, what did you think? Oh, it was good. It's like, no, it was better than that. It, it was great. She's like, yeah, well, it's good as long as you don't mind the glaring story problem. He's like, oh, no. No, it, it's a perfect story. What are you talking about? She says, well, really, technically... Indiana Jones plays no role in the outcome of the story. If he weren't in the film, it would turn out exactly the same. If he weren't in the movie, the Nazis would still have found the Ark, taken it to the island, opened it up, and all died, just like they did. And Sheldon's like, no, I, I don't think you understand. This guy with the whip and the hat, that's Indiana Jones. She's like, no, I know. So <laughs> it's like, that's an interesting theory. And so Sheldon and all the other guys are like watching the movie and trying to figure out, is this true? They can't think of anything that this doesn't work for. Like, one of them says, oh, but, you know, they were digging in the wrong place, right? But if not for Indy, the Nazis, that is, if not for Indy, they would have had the medallion anyway. Tote would have gotten it from, from Marion regardless. So they would have been in the right spot no matter what. They would have found it either way. So I say that once we get to kind of running through the story, we should stop periodically and ask ourselves... If Indy wasn't here, would this change the outcome? And I think you'll find, pretty much, that's how it turns out. Okay. So. That is very, that, that uh, that's an intriguing theory. And I hope I didn't just ruin Raiders of the Lost Ark for anybody out there. <laughs> I still enjoy it. I still love it just yeah. the same. But, yeah. I, I think it's true. Which would shock me that, Lucas would have a script with such a needless character. Because, think about Star Wars. Every intricate person affects the outcome. You know, I've also, like, Kevin Smith talked about it uh, recently. You know, they talked about Raiders. It's like, he knew about that theory. And um, some people say, oh, well, yeah, it's meant to be that way. Because, uh, you know, Indy's like an observer of history. He He's there... He's participating and he's seeing it, but it's all happening regardless. As it's and, supposed know. to. But I don't know. I, I think it just turned out that way. He's a watcher. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> but. 
So, uh, some of the cast, uh, we've got, obviously, a personal friend of ours. Friend <clears throat> uh, of yours. Harrison Ford playing Indiana Jones. We have Karen Allen as Marion. We have Paul Freeman as Belloc. Uh, John Reese davies as Salah. Uh, I'm only going to name a few of these. Ronald Lacey as Toot, which he actually reminded me a lot of... Um, this you remember when we were kids, a very old uh, Looney Tunes cartoon. There was this reoccurring villain character, always played by Hugh Laurie, and he always had this voice, and he was like always big eyed and and very creepy, and he always talked like this. The actor in real life. You sound talks. like uh, that wrestler Danhausen. Do you know him? No. Oh, we got to show you some Danhausen later. So, uh, and of course, a very young. Uh, Alfred Molina. Yeah. In right, this, right in the beginning. as Satipo. That was his very first film role. Mm. Heard him say it himself. Good for him. Yeah. And then all, he became Doc Ock years later. All those tarantulas that they put on him, those were all real. Yeah. That's a nope. Do you know I how mean, they got him to move? Like, they put all these spiders on him, and they didn't move. And Steven Spielberg is like, they need to move. Make them do something. They're like, oh, okay. Then they take a female spider and they put it on him and all the males start going crazy. And then that's the shot that you see. And Steven's in the background saying, Alfred, look scared, look scared. He's like, I am, I am scared. <laughs> and then you turn around and you see all the spiders on him. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, I, I, uh, I say that, hell no, but there is a price. <laughs> I would do the spider thing, the snake thing. No, sir. I know you hate snakes. When we get to the uh, the the well of souls and all that stuff, well, why is the floor moving? If you are on YouTube, look for Tyler McDaniel on YouTube. There is this video of the doctor and myself what? trying to remove oh, a yeah. snake from my house. Oh yeah, it's like a six foot king snake. <laughs> It's big and ugly and black. How it got in, I have no idea. Never had a snake problem on the property. But this day, two years ago now, yeah, I believe, it was in the summer. Yeah. I know that. And, or no, it was near the summer because we were still, uh, you were still in school. And because oh, you're right. after that, yeah, like yeah, we, had, yeah. we, were, we were live on Facebook for a while. And people were like, it's just a king snake. Just grab it. Just grab it. It's a king snake. Just grab it. And then it would rattle its tail. What we didn't know at the time was a king snake imitates a rattlesnake. Imitates a rattlesnake as a defense mechanism. Now we know that when that tail started rattling, there's this ooh from both of us, <laughs> and we back up, and I'm like, "It's a rattlesnake." Yeah, you. I was at home, and you messaged me. You said, "Hey, you want to come help me get this snake out of my house?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, right." And then you send me a picture, and there's actually a big snake hold up. It I was, was like, well. It was... I'll come support you, but I'm not <laughs> touching it. And there's this there's this video. It's, I don't know how long it is, uh, of me in a cowboy hat <laughs> to get into character. Because yeah. <laughs> I remember, I was like, I got to put it on it a gave, hat or it something. It gave you a little encouragement. It gave me encouragement with tongs and an oven mitt. And you're just holding the camera, just like, well, get in there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're up on a chair. <laughs> terrifying. It was awful. I don't like snakes. So yeah, so Tyler McDaniel on YouTube, go watch that video. It is very, very entertaining. 
Uh, that's also a shameless plug to hopefully beef up my numbers. Come on, people, hit that subscribe button. <laughs> um, but uh, speaking of cast, you have done some digging and found out some some possibilities that were around with right. if not Harrison. So when the idea of Indiana Jones originally came up, Steven Spielberg actually said to George Lucas, "Hey, how about Harrison Ford?" And George was like, "No, he's already been in." Star Wars, and he's already been in American Graffiti. I don't want him to be... It's like, oh, you know, George Lucas always has Harrison Ford. And uh, he said, I, I really don't want to do that. And he's just way too popular. So they're like, okay. So they went on on the search. Uh, people like Bill Murray, Nick Nolte, Ugh. Steve Martin, Chevy Chase. Could you imagine it being like a comedic... Oh, that you would have like, so badly. Harrison has the right amount of, like, he's funny when he needs to be, but, like, Chevy yeah, Chase, yeah. it will be silly all the time. Uh, it, uh, Nick Nolte would have been too gruff and too raspy mm -hmm. as a character. Yeah. Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, God, no. Too as funny. much as I respect and love them as comedians. Steve Martin, out of the three, maybe is a possibility, but... Bill Murray, no. Yeah, no. Because at the time, all his characters were very much like this. Every time I think about Bill Murray, I think about Osmosis Jones. Have you seen That's that? That's the movie you think of? Yeah. Not Ghostbusters no. or because he Stripes. Was disgusting. Remember, he had that yeah. big yeah. Was zit that popped on. The, yeah. So I always think of that. Like, I could When see I think that of Bill, God, my first movie is Caddyshack. Can you please, your grunge keeper, talk like this? I'll, I also think about Zombieland, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, and then Ghostbusters. Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson, that would have been interesting. Jeff hey, Bridges. man, I'm Indiana Jones. Jeff Bridges could have pulled it off. This next person, definitely. Sam Elliott. I don't yeah. know, I think he would have been too too gruff, too. Kind of like Nick Nolte. He probably would have been too much of a velvet heartthrob. I don't know that Sam Elliott has done any audiobooks. But if he hasn't, yeah, he, he has. should. Yeah, he has. Okay. He's he's made a killing off of those alone well, reading stuff. Listen to something. It's the only reason I'll still watch Ghost Rider. I would I would probably listen to Sam Elliott read the phone book. He's just got such a great voice. <laughs> We're starting at the A's. <laughs> and, uh... Alan <laughs> Abernathy. <laughs> God, he puts me to sleep <laughs> just reading the phone book. <laughs> There's something soothing about it. I don't know. Uh, he's uh, he's. And Tombstone, he's a big reason I still watch Tombstone, Ghost Riders. Mm -hmm. He's the only reason I watch Ghost Riders. He did still. a show on Netflix called The Ranch. He was great in that. He was great in that. He was in Star is Born. I mean, he's done That's tons true. of westerns. Uh, Sam Elliott is the. Parks and Rec? <laughs> Other uh, Ron. He was in uh, The Mask, not the Jim Carrey mask. The but Jamie the one Kennedy mask. With uh, Cher and all them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that mask. Yeah, the mask gotcha. with uh, uh, the kid with the, the, with the weird face. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. Out of all of these, I would probably... You also have Tom Selleck on here. Well, so Tom Selleck is the one that they ended up going with. Like, you can go and see. There's footage, screen tests of Tom Selleck, mustache, the hat, the coat, everything, doing a scene with Marion. And he was going to do it, but then uh, he got... Uh, he was already supposed to do this little show called Magnum oh, P.I. Just this little ditty. And uh, he went on to do that instead and Which, they were like, you know what? All right, Harrison, it's going to be you. And look. And it worked out. Boom. Much to Harrison's chagrin, he became a franchise player. Oh, I'm a famous movie star with thousands or millions and millions of fans. My life is terrible. <laughs> so before we get to the plot, 
couple stories oh, we've got to tell. So my favorite story with Harrison, my personal favorite, is the very first time I met him. I was doing lights and sound for the show Driving Miss Daisy. And his mother-in-law, uh, who still, uh, she now lives with him. Because, uh, you know, Ron passed yeah. away. And uh, his father-in-law recently died. And both of them were big in our community theater right. world here in Morristown. Uh, Kay and Ron Flockhart. And she was pe- playing Miss Daisy and Driving Miss Daisy. And I was doing lights and sound. And on the last show, uh, the director, Joe comes over to me, and he uh, says, I don't want you to freak out. Uh, actually, it was Joe was doing the other tech. Mark Workman was the director. And he walked over and said, no, I don't want you freaking out. Okay, and I said, okay. Is everything all right with the show? And he said, no, the show's fine. Things are great. You're doing great. But front row in the center, and I see Callista, and I was like, I've met Callista a few times. Luckily, at the time already. And she goes, no, not her. The gray-haired gentleman beside her. And at that moment, I see him turn to talk to her. And I just go, <gasps> Taka Jones. <laughs> and he's like, okay, after this show, we're all going out to Ronnie's to eat. Would you like to come? You're part of the crew. And they said, cast and crew, they're paying. We're going to Ronnie's. Would you like to come? And I said, uh, no, no, I'll pass. I'll pass. It's just Indiana Jones. So we all go out to Ronnie's and they bring and Ronnie shuts the restaurant down for just this party for just us. So it's it's uh, the seating was like Mark Workman over here from left to right. And then it was uh, Greg Harrell, uh, Brandon Moore, me. And across the table from me is Kay, Callista, Ron's to my right. So it's Kay, Callista, Harrison, Liam, uh, who at the time was like eight years old and yeah. already a published Cal- author. Callista's author. son. Yeah, Callista's son. And uh, uh, so they're pouring wine. I'm 19 years old. And he, he's, he, does, he says, hey, kid, a lot. That, yeah. Like that whole running joke. Hey, about, kid. Hey, kid. Is he calls everybody kid. Yeah. And he just looks over at me and goes, hey, kid, want a glass? And I just stared at him. I didn't say yes or no. I just stared at him and then looked at Mark. And Mark goes, uh, I go, I'm 19. And he goes, well, call your mom. So I call mom. And while he's still just standing there holding this red wine, and I go, hold on. And I call mom. I go, hey, mom, can I have a glass of wine? We're up the street at Ronnie's. She said, No. You're 19. I said, Harrison Ford just poured it. Well, I don't think one glass will hurt. <laughs> <laughs> so he poured me a glass of wine, and I got to have a glass of wine at Ronnie's with Harrison Ford. Yeah. Now, we've met him multiple times since then, and, and he actually knew me as Tyler. Like The last time I saw him, he remembered my name as Tyler. And that last time I saw him was Kay was in the hospital, and me and Maddie were out on a date, at El Cezanne in Jeff City. And here comes Ron, Callista, and Harrison in to eat. So do you know what I did? We bought their dinner. How <laughs> I, many people can I say grabbed, that? I grabbed the server and I said, can you bring me that table's ticket? He said, yeah, sure. And we bought their dinner. And How he, many people can say they bought dinner uh, for Harrison Ford? Because he's probably the guy that buys, buys it. Yeah, time. he buys everything. Yeah. 
But I will say he, um, when we did the 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 birthday party for that I took Becky to, yeah. you weren't able to go, and you had already met him, yeah. and so you're like, we'll take Becky because yeah. she hasn't met him, and I took Becky, and they bought thousands of dollars of these expensive champagne thousand dollar bottles of champagne they bought 15 of them for the event for Kay's birthday or it was their anniversary but it was at Arrow Hill out near Frightmare and he most of them left over he just said uh, board members take these home make sure every board member gets a bottle of thousand dollar bottle of champagne what do you think that tasted like garbage garbage it was the worst tasting alcohol. I was like, a thousand dollars? Who buys this crap? And then he was like, and they love it. I was like, this stuff is swill. I'd rather drink the bottom of a Keystone barrel, mm. you know, like or Natty Light. Ugh, God, this was terrible. Yeah. It was awful. I was like, a thousand dollars for this bottle? I could make stuff better oh, than see, this. The, the money is what tastes good. Mm -hmm. That's that's what it is. Mm, tastes like a thousand dollars to yeah. me. It tasted like Boone's Farm from Walmart. Well, it's Garbage. Better though. Yeah, actually, Boone's Farm is better. But my favorite story of Harrison Ford oh. has got to do with Josh Davis here. So we were in the show High School Musical two together. Yeah. And before the show opened, we got to do a number for the gala. Yeah. 75th anniversary of the Morristown Theater Guild. Harrison and Clist were going to be there, and you were asked to block and choreograph a number. Yeah. Bet on it. The epic golf course scene in High School Musical 2. Well, I can tell you that the stage versions aren't as epic yeah. as the movies. <laughs> Very hard to stage some of this stuff, especially since the second one took place in a pool and a golf course. Yeah. But you did very well with it. I like what you, you ended up doing with it. It was nice. very dark, dreamlike. Ominous. Lots of fog machines. Lots of fog. You gotta have fog. And blue lights, and it was really cool. So we got to produ produce this number for Harrison and them at the gala. Yeah. And afterwards, Ron makes sure that whoever was involved, if they have something to sign, Harrison and Callista will sign things for just us. Oh, was just that very, what happened? Just a very select few people. Well, that's not how I remember it. What did you grab? This is not how I remember it. Uh, well, when I had heard that he was going to be there, I promptly went to Walmart, to the toy section, and prayed that they had a Han Solo action figure, which they did. Han Solo in Stormtrooper disguise. I'll never forget it. So I bought that toy, and I bought a pack of little Sharpie markers, and I kept them in the backstage area, you know, just in case. Yeah. And so we're in the back, and people are meeting and greeting. And I had my my Han Solo toy with me, and Mr. Ford approaches me. I didn't even walk. I probably would have been too scared to approach him, but he you came to me. He held his hand out. He said hello. I, you know, he was very nice. He was very nice. And I was so proud of the fact that when we performed, something that I did made him laugh. I heard a little <laughs> out there, so I was like, yeah. He does have a very significant yeah, life. Yeah, so that made me feel good. And uh, then uh, he says hello, he's friendly, and I ask him to sign my Han Solo toy, and his demeanor just completely changes. It was like his face just fell. Yeah, sure. He signs it. Without another word, he walks away. 
And I was like, wow. At least I got my signed toy that to this day is hanging on the wall at my old room at my mother's house. Uh, I had him sign Kingdom of the Crystal Skull because I was afraid that if he didn't, I would have trashed the DVD by then. <laughs> I still have it. Yeah, of course. It's still sitting downstairs, like up, like memorabilia. I'm mm -hmm. like, this is the only good thing about this movie is the fact that he signed it. I think I got to him early before the whole event just kind of like backdoored it just kind of like hey Harrison will you sign this for me and he looked at it and he went oof this one and he signed it and he said yeah sure and he thanked me for helping doing something to help the theater guild oh wow and what but a by the time little... you got to him he oh. was probably about a bottle and a half of red wine into the night and he he's known for his red wine and getting pretty snookered he gets he gets snookered pretty Pretty often, actually. And, of course, but this is also the same guy who, during that show, we saw Bruno. <laughs> and he has a very unknown cameo yeah, in the movie oh, Bruno. Yeah, I will never forget that. We saw it, I guess it was on my birthday, me and you and a bunch of the guys. Before a show. Because I loved Borat so much. Yeah, we took, like... we took a group for your birthday to a daytime show of Bruno because yeah. we had a show that night of HSM2. And we, we took this poor little, we took Josh yeah. Ball, and he was, like, sheltered. And after this movie, he was all like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, what was that? So there's this part in the movie, if you haven't seen Bruno, where he keeps plugging, like, I'm about to have this in exclusive, exclusive interview. exclusive interview of Mr. Harrison Ball. And so it gets to that part, and he Harrison's coming out of a bar with Callista. <laughs> And he just runs up, and he's like, Mr. Ford, Mr. Ford, Mr. The, Ford. You got the bleep button? Uh, yes, I do, it's, I do. It's like, uh, it's like, oh, Mr. Ford, Mr. Ford, Mr. Ford, off. <laughs> and just walks away from the camera. And we did, we died. Because we had just met him. <laughs> like, and, like, I remember we saw his mother-in-law that day, Calissa's mom, Kay, and I was like, oh, Miss Kay, we saw Harrison in a movie today. She says, oh, really? I just talked to him. I didn't know that he had anything going right now. I said, oh, I don't think he knows about it either. About it either. <laughs> um, and uh, actually, still to this day, I don't think he knows about it. I, I mean... Oh, surely. Surely, Have maybe. you seen the, the video of some dude in his house doing magic for him? And he was like, get the out of my house. <laughs> Have you seen that? He likes magic. Well, you, know what else you know what else I learned is he loves NASCAR. Interesting. Very interesting. He goes to Bristol every year. Really? They come down and go to Bristol every wow. year. I hate NASCAR. He also has a, a, a love-hate relationship with airplanes. What Jeez. do you say? Best pilot in the galaxy. and he He's walked away from three uh, fatal airplane at least crashes. Two, like I know one time he crashed on a golf course. One was right out here. And uh, he's also been injured on the set by... Flying yeah. things like the in the first Raiders, he hurt his foot yeah. on uh, that big Nazi yeah. twin-engine plane, and then uh, in Force Awakens, the the Millennium Falcon's little ramp to walk on and off of it crushed his ankles. In Temple of Doom, he broke his back in the flip-over couch thing. So he did a lot of his own stunts. Yeah. That's what happens, mm -hmm. you know. That's why we have stunt people. Um, so. Those are some of my favorite stories. Uh, it's just, and, and in all honesty, I laugh and all that because, like, two nerds from Morristown, Tennessee got to interact with Han Solo. Yeah. Indiana Jones. 
Cool. Awesome. Let's talk the plot. Sure. You have a killer, concise plot written out here. Sure. Uh, let's let's go. Over I, this. Don't forget, we're gonna stop and ask ourselves: mm -hmm. Is Indy important to this or not? Is the outcome gonna be different if there's no Indy involved? Okay. All right. So let's begin, shall we? It's 1936. We're in the jungles of Peru. American archaeologist Dr. Henry Jones, also known as Indiana Jones, recovers a golden idol from a booby-trapped Peruvian temple. Mm. Uh, so this whole part is really interesting. Like, Did you notice at the first little part of this, the Paramount Mountain? There's the Paramount yes. logo, and it fades away, and it's a real mountain. Yeah. Steven Spielberg specifically asked for that. He wanted to do that, so he sent the location guy. Find a Paramount Mountain. That's where they wanted to do their film. So it all was uh, determined by that mountain. Uh, Indiana Jones, we see he, we see him mostly in shadow. You don't really see his facial features. He's hidden in shadow, mysterious. Uh, and even when he steps forward, he's got that kind of grin. You can't tell. Is this a good guy or a bad guy, right? He's, he's surrounded in, in shadow and mystery. And then, like we talked about earlier, uh, Alfred Molina, first film role, uh, before he goes on to play Doc Ock in the future. Yes. Among other things. But anyway... Uh, after he escapes, we've got that uh, that iconic scene with the boulder. He's running from it. Uh, rival archaeologist Rene Belloc shows up and steals the idol from him. This whole first part here tells us really has nothing to do with the plot of, of the rest of the story, right? It's here's who Indiana Jones is. He goes hunting for artifacts. He gets out of booby traps. He winds up in these weird situations where he's got a bunch of guns pointed at him, and he still manages to get away. It's usually not pretty, but he makes it work. That's one thing I love about him. Yeah. Rugged. It's like, not pretty. Think about the in the second one when they've got the inflatable boat, and yes. they jump out of the airplane with it. Yeah. You know? That's so cool. But yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, did you know the airplane, when they're trying to get the airplane started, when they're running from the, the tribal guys... That sound that the plane makes, that was a blaster sound from Star Wars. Reused. I think really? it was the, uh, the AT-ATs or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They reused that for the airplane. Wow. So it was a fun little nod. And then, of course, we get our uh, the whole thing about snakes and Indy. There's a big snake in the plane. I hate snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? I feel you on that there, Indy. But uh, he, he comes back to America, of course, and he's briefed by the Army Intelligence. This is, this is pre-CIA. And uh, they're telling him that the Nazis are excavating in Tanis, Egypt, and they were intercepting their telegrams, and it mentions his old mentor, Mr. Abner Ravenwood, the father of Marion. And so he deduces by that that Hitler is searching for the Ark of the Covenant, and he agrees to find it first. Because if this arc truly does have this great power, it's going to be bad Unleash it on the world? If Hitler has it. Yeah, it's right? a weapon. Which it's sort of interesting that, you know, this is a Jewish artifact mm -hmm. and Hitler's so obsessed with it. Yeah. They talked about he's got this obsession with the occult and supernatural things. Which he 
that was real. I didn't know if that was true or not. And yeah, Supernatural actually plays on that. There's a whole season of Nazis and uh, small spoiler, a Hitler episode, and they're excavating. But also Captain America. Hitler was also like had his own little Red Skull was part of Hitler's. Hydra was he's he was obsessed with these. Yeah. Big paranormal like alien like and ghost like mm. and easy we could use them as weapons and and it's magic and it's funny it's funny yeah now i go paint so that was my hitler for everyone out there i thought it was pretty good crushed it how fortunate we all are <laughs> so yeah the ark of the covenant and, uh, and we learn a little about about that if if you're a heathen uh and didn't go to sunday school he even says oh you guys never go to sunday school mm. the ark of the covenant it was created by by the the, the Jews uh, that Moses was leading uh, out of Egypt, and the Ten Commandments were placed in this box. Mm-hmm. And uh, Belloc says at some point it's a, like a radio for speaking yeah. to God. Yes, right. We, when I was still going to Hillcrest Baptist Church, the oddest thing that they ever did there, they did a lot of odd things. Uh, I won't go into it, you know, no offense. Uh, one of the oddest things they ever did was they had a life-size uh, Ark of the Covenant built to sit in their lobby. And one day it wasn't there, and then the next Sunday, whoever they, you know, paid to build this thing, I mean, it was heavy, it was huge, it was lifelike. They wanted it to resemble the real Ark of the Covenant. I mean, it was longer than your futon in front of us and it had the handles and every artwork was similar to the the two seraphims yes, with the yes. wings together me and caleb smith and brett every day smith uh and sean jones were walking down to the lobby and we walked past it and there's that moment out of any comedy we all stop turn around and I go is that the ark of the covenant and sean was like uh should we open it Caleb goes, no, bad idea. I've seen that movie. Yeah. And I was like, who wants they spent money on this? Why? I think that the movie prop was built, uh, the lid was from like to- the back of a toilet. Oh, I God. think I heard that somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So you too can make your own architecture. <laughs> For the low, low price of your house toilet. <laughs> but the Bible talks about, in lots of places, the power of the ark. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they carried it around the city of Jericho mm-hmm. before the walls came down. And, and it talks about, don't look at the ark. You know, don't touch the ark. You're not worthy of the don't ark. Don't open stuff it. Like that. So, you know, all this stuff is pulled straight from biblical from the, from lore. Yeah. Biblical lore, you know. Yeah. So, Indy travels to Nepal and reunites with Marion Ravenwood. Gestapo agent Arnold Tot arrives and tries to take a medallion that will help reveal secrets to the Ark of the Covenant. The place goes up in flames. Tot burns the image of one side of the medallion into his hand. Indy and Marion escape and head to Cairo. Something always goes on in Cairo. (sighs) The mummy. (laughs) Indiana Jones. Transformers 2. <laughs> All that ancient history and stuff. Uh, so, Re- Marion. Yeah, Marion. Beautiful. Man, she can uh, hang with, with the fellas. She uh, can. Drinking the shots and yes. all, all that. She was... She recovered pretty well from all that. <laughs> uh, if you don't know who Karen Allen is, she is obviously 
uh, Marion Rayburn would in this movie, but some other things she has done is she is in Animal House mm-hmm. with Belushi. She comes back in Indiana Jones 4, as we, we discussed earlier, and she's in the movie with Bill Murray, Scrooged. She plays oh. his old girlfriend who comes back into the picture when Bell? he's... Uh, oh, that's the the regular version. That's the regular version. Yeah. Scrooged with Bill Murray is right. like... It's a modern... It's the story, but yeah. it's it's not. Uh, it's really good. Yeah. I like it. It's very funny. And she's in that. She's in, She's got a heck of an IMDb page. She's also done a lot of voice acting. She's in some Family Guy stuff um, as well. And I think they actually had her play Marion in a skit where they like... It's like this time that... Yeah, they always do that. Like, Neil Patrick Harris played Barney on, mm-hmm. on Family Guy. And, and Jim uh, Parsons played Sheldon. Yeah. 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 People are good about doing that stuff. Yeah. So Marion, I love, I love the introduction of her because she's not just your normal like ingenue yeah. that a lot of movies at this time and even prior, like 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and even some after this, like there's that ingenue mm-hmm. who's just it's always her and she's the lead and Marion's awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's fantastic. She's taking shots. She's different. She outdrinks most of the men. <laughs> uh, she can fight. She, yeah, she, she curses. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, one thing about this thing that we were talking about the whole PG rating thing, the dude that is on fire and then he gets shot in the head and just blood like oozing down his face. Like even that, you still yeah. get the a get PG the, rating. PG rating. Like that's pretty violent. Like think about this. Toy Story is PG. I mean, it's that's animated, true. but that's true. same rating. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I think I can't remember if Star Wars is PG or PG thirteen, but like, if it's a bunch of stormtroopers, these are nameless, faceless guys that you're yeah, shooting. Don't bleed. You know, it's okay. But this dude is a human person gushing blood down his face while he's on fire, and his burning corpse is laying there, you know, the whole time. So I don't know. As a kid, like all this stuff really kind of got to me. I feel like PG. Yeah. How did they get away with that? But yeah, because uh, I think of other PG movies like. From our era, like the Big Green and the Sandlot and the Big Green. stuff like that, and I'm like, this is the same rating. 1981 <laughs> for you, baby. Good lord. Uh, all right, so let's okay, let's ask ourselves here. So far, does Indy play a vital role in the outcome and anything he's done so far? Like, if Indy wasn't there, would anything be different? He seems almost like a bystander. Yes. That this is kind of thrust upon. Yes. Um, so they've got the medallion that belonged to Marion's father, mm-hmm. and the medallion, um, one side, I think I've got this listed here, one side tells you the warning about disturbing the Ark, and the other tells you the measurements for the staff of Ra that mm-hmm. will give you the location of the Ark. And the Nazis only get the one side that's burned into uh, uh, Toad's hand, you know, but they got away with the medallion. But if any wasn't there, they would have just gotten the whole medallion anyway. Yeah. Okay. So, eh? So far, it's a very minute impact. Yep. He just happens to... If any at all. If any. Hmm. So, let's uh, let's move on here, because we're about to meet... Honestly, I love Indiana Jones. Of course. I love the character of Indiana. But in the franchise... Sala. Sala is my favorite. John Rhys Davies. Love, love that guy. Yes, we we're about to meet Sala, who it's John Rhys Davies. He was in this uh, this trilogy. 
this little thing. Uh, John Wick. No. What in Harry Potter? Uh, oh, I know. The Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah, MBD. Gimli. And he's a great guy. You've met him. He called you a... a handsome devil. Handsome I'll, devil. I'll remember it to the day I die. And he's actually the tallest member of the Fellowship, sure right? Sure is, sure But is. plays the shortest. One of the shortest. One of the shortest. Yeah. It's funny. And he's the only one who doesn't have the tattoo? Yeah. They all got the Elvish word of nine yeah. tattooed somewhere, except for him. His daughter got it. His, no. His stunt double got it. Instead. Stunt double got it. Yep. Got it. But he's a lovely man. A very lovely man. He took... Lots of time to speak to Becky and me uh, when we met him, and he talked to us about teaching, and he mm. just thought that was so great, and he was complimenting my beard, so I love him for that. Not the beard. Not the beard. That's what he wrote on my autograph. Uh, I love it. So, um, Sala, as I said, ends up, he's actually my favorite in the franchise. Mm -hmm. uh, we know that he's not in four, so the original trilogy. Uh, we meet Sala who tells Indy about the incomplete replica the Nazis made of the medallion based on Tote's hand. One side of the medallion gives measurements for the staff of Ra, which that's also funny, I think, because Ra is Egyptian, mm -hmm. not Jesus Christ or God. But you need an Egyptian god's staff to find a Christian artifact. I think that allegedly... Like all sorts of different rulers and kings and so on and so forth carried the ark around, sent it to this place and that place. So someone took it and took it back to Egypt, I guess. Hmm. I'm really not sure on that. But yeah, somehow it ends up in Egypt. And all the uh, this uh, medallion and all this stuff that they made connects to it, tells you how to find it. Hmm. And the other side, as you said, is a warning. Yeah. About the Ark. Indy and Sala find the Ark, but the Nazis show up, take uh, take the Ark, and seal Indy and Marion in the Well of Souls. Sounds very Hercules Disney. Mm -hmm. uh, they escape, reclaim the Ark, and arrange for a steamboat to carry them and the Ark to London. So, other than the exploding heads and, and melting faces at the end of the movie... This part is the part that I think about. Oh, and the, the boulder in the beginning. I always yeah. think about this. Why, the floor, Indy, why does it move? It's not the floor moving. Uh, asps, very dangerous. <laughs> you go first. <laughs> so, uh, when they filmed this scene, of course, uh, they had a couple thousand snakes in there. And Steven Spielberg is like, guys, this is not enough snakes. We need like 7,000 snakes. So they literally went off and ordered more snakes. 7,000 at least snakes are in this scene. And you know, there's that big, uh, I guess it's a big cobra that sits up and looks at, it looks right so at it. So they put a big glass, uh, like a big glass wall in front of them to separate him from the snake. And you can see the reflection of the glass. If you look down in the bottom right corner in mm -hmm. that shot, and they were saying that the snakes would spit venom at the on, glass. on that that uh, that glass. Mm -mm. Yeah, I could do tarantulas. And like you know, Harrison Ford's wearing long pants and boots, and poor Marion's in that skimpy little dress that she got from Belloc. So poor uh, uh, Karen Allen. Good lord! If, you know, if she's got a snake phobia, I hope she's getting over it fast when they film. Well, it. nothing will get you over it quite like that. Yeah. 
quite like a few million dollars and <laughs> I, I would rather keep my fear than uh than than go through yeah. with that i yeah. can imagine oh hey um, okay so this is also when we get that crazy scene about the uh she gets lost in there and all the skeletons fall on there why are they screaming that doesn't make sense to me why are the why are the skeletons screaming i think it's more of like an allusion to the moment it's like sound effect to kind of you're right it's like an illusion of like oh, this is terrible we died oh, down here yeah. ah the well of souls ah. my favorite part of that though is when they set the snakes on fire mm-hmm. that's a great moment mm-hmm. makes me feel better hey the what do you think about this whole idea belloc and indy are like really the same he he sits down with me he's like you know just a couple pushes, and you would be just like me. You know, we're not that different. I'm a shadowy reflection of you. Mm-hmm. Oh, now you're getting nasty. But, you know, they're both archaeologists. They both go on these crazy supernatural adventures. But at the end of the day, Belloc's in it for money. Right. And Indy just wants to, like, keep it safe. Mm-hmm. And make sure it's, like, in a museum. Respected. And he's a teacher. I think that Bel- maybe Belloc was that way before, maybe. and then Something. he got greedy. Yeah. So. Oh, greed! It finds us all sometimes. So yeah, they uh, they they arrange for this uh, pirate ship basically to come pick him up, and poor Indy's beat up and getting all kinds of nice kisses from Marion to heal himself up, and um, of course the Nazis show up again. They mm-hmm. intercept the boat. They seize the ark. They take Marion with them. But Indy, the pro that he is, he jumps out into the water, uh, swims over to the Nazi boat, and he sneaks onto it and travels with them to this island out in the Aegean Sea. And interesting enough, the submarine doesn't go under the water, stays above the water just enough so that he can hold on and breathe the whole way there. Funny how that happens. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so uh, Belloc plans to test the power of the Ark before presenting it to Hitler. It's like, it's better that we try it out here rather than right in the middle of uh, Berlin or wherever. And so Indy shows up uh, after this great sequence where he catches the jeeps and throws the dude out of the driving jeep and he's on the horse and all that stuff. Great, great scene. But he's got that rocket launcher. He's pointing it and he's like, I'm going to blow up the Ark. You got to give me Marion back. Of course, you know, he has no choice. He can't really do that. Fun fact, that canyon there where they shot that scene... That's in Tunisia. That's the same exact canyon where R2-D2 got caught by the Jawas. Same spot. Uh. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so, Indy's captured now as well. They they take him up to this uh, little island, and the Nazis open the Ark. You know, shut your eyes, Marion. Don't look at it. Everybody dies. Faces melt and explode and shrink. Uh, that's part where the big beams come out and go through all the Nazis, they filmed that. They put light bulbs on the actors' chests. And that's how they sort of got that big glowing effect and then added the... It's one thing I love about Spielberg and Lucas, whether it's Star Wars, Jaws, E.T., practical. Yeah, They're like, we don't need all this. We can do this practically and you don't need all this fake stuff. Spielberg's very much that way. Yeah, that's what I love about their stuff is it's all practical effects. I just thought of something. Is Jurassic Park not in the... Ah, oh, it is. That's another one, Surely too. Surely it is. That's five. That's in the... Re- we'll Jurassic Park on 1 this. is. That's Yeah, we'll yeah. have to check, because I don't know. But yeah, I'm pretty sure he has be. a few in there, but the only ones that were on the top of my head were those. 
So, uh, yeah, so they survived that. We get the one of the, as a 10-year-old, super, super scary scene with the big yes. screaming ghosts flying out and the Nazis dying and the faces blowing up. Wasn't expecting it. Um, very gory for a PG movie. Very. But if you're a Nazi, it's okay. That is true. Very, not, uh, this not is also... Not disputing that. I'm saying. not disputing that, and I would never stand up for Nazis. Right. Uh, I condemn them till the day I die. Uh, but there's... There's also some playing devil's advocate, propaganda esque writing, and sure. in the revenge of us on the Nazis, whether it's the Jews on the Nazis or India as an American, you know, fighting Nazis and they're the bad guys and they're the bad guys. They're the bad guys for a dadgum reason, obviously, just like Russians and a lot of action movies too. Um, but it's it's this last time watching and I was like. It's, Subtle propaganda in here. I think so. In here. And, and, I mean, there's propaganda in every movie we watch. Whether it's Marvel, DC, doesn't matter. Um, so, this closing bout, for me, um, I thought was intense when I was watching it as a kid. And even going back and watching it, I was like, you know, this still holds up. This stuff still looks better than some of the fake CG stuff we get today. Because mm -hmm. um, you can see fake pretty easier then you can see like oh that's wax or gum or like in the thing the guy's head mutating at the end that's all bubble gum and paint and clay and stuff yeah. like that I was like practical just works better even in this age I would respect practical more than all the flashy stuff I don't know got more of that human touch yeah. to it as it felt more real watching visualized. yeah I was I was thinking I God. watched the whole thing on YouTube about the dude who who created that effect of like what he did and they recreated it and showed all that stuff they had like these big heat guns that they pointed at it and the process of like uh, tote the one who like melts you know uh, and you can see his hat sort of moved down yeah. to adjust to his face falling yeah. off um, you know, that process is like two, three minutes, so they had to speed it up by like 10 or 11. Yeah. Uh, but a really cool shot. Uh, pretty iconic, I, I would imagine. Um, yes. But yeah. So in the end, of course, he goes back home, and they're thanking him for his service to the country, and they've, they've rewarded him, and he's like, yeah, the money's great, but I'm more worried about the Ark. Where's it going? What's happening? It's super uh, dangerous. That's okay. It's it's in an undisclosed location being studied by top men. But who? Top men. And then I guess you know, it goes to Area 51. That's what we're seeing. Because, yeah, we get a glimpse of it in the fourth Indiana Jones. Which was a nice touch. You got it. It was. It was a very nice touch. A little callback. Um, so, looking at some of these performers, uh, Ronald Lacey, who played Tote, didn't really do much after this. Very small time acting he died career. Died a few years after that. Uh, he died ten years after this released. Okay. Um, I know the. He did a really. Uh, he stayed in this type of like he did, um, Red Sonia and Firefox and the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the Eighth Dimension, which is a demonic, weird, movie. Uh, everybody's seen that. Oh yeah, uh, Paul Freeman who played. Belloc. Yep. This is one I have been... Ivan Ooze. Yes. The Spanish Inquisition. The Brady Bunch Reunion. The things I've missed. What's that smell? 
teenagers. Fifteen hundred years, I gave you a crack in the neck. Uh, double team. He 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 had a pretty good. Crap, can we please do a breakdown of the Power Rangers movie sometime? Yes. It doesn't hold up now. I'll go ahead and tell you that. I watched it a couple years ago. But you know what? It'd be fun to talk about and learn some things about it. Let's add it to the list. Let's put it on the list. But anyway. Uh, but this is a you know great ending, a great kickoff to what we now know as a franchise of Indiana Jones. Um, we've got uh, the character of Indy. We've got this... this now pretty popular blueprint of diving into temples and finding artifacts. I mean, without Indiana Jones, there is no The Mummy. There is no Tomb Raider, definitely. Sure. She's, Laura Croft is like Indiana Jones in a lot uh, of aspects. A cooler, sexier She version. is. She is a cooler, sexier, more modern version of Indiana Jones. And this facet of, of movie still around today but it's, it's most of them just aren't as successful um and i think it's because they it was the right time it was the right cast i mean it was a lucas script with a spielberg directing um nothing against the mummy i love going back and watching the first mummy yeah. even the second one's got some great quotable moments um with brendan fraser and all that but um i enjoyed it i enjoyed this movie if you haven't seen indiana jones and you've stuck through listening to the, all this you know shame on you first of all um and go back and actually watch it happen um and and let us know and see if you can figure out a way that indie is vital to the outcome of the movie because for the life of me i can't think of anything i think uh old amy farrah fowler was right when she I, told sheldon I'm, I'm starting to agree um glaring story problem uh the only thing that impact it makes is it puts them there. They wouldn't have been tied up and having to close their eyes if Indy wasn't involved. Of course. And what the only impact that I can think I'm going I'm going I might be going a long way is that Marion might have gone without Indy and died. Okay. I could see that. I'm also thinking if Indy wasn't there and the Nazis opened it, whether he was there or not, they still would have died. How does the Ark then make its way to Area 51 in How does the it get closed? of the United States? Well, it closed itself. Okay. Yeah, it The did, spirits it flew back it in. It yeah. did. Just kind of like we did our job. Yeah. So we're done now. We killed everybody. So... That um, really took a lot out so, of me. But then, but you know, actually, then the Ark would just still be hidden on some random island. Yeah. So. Small impact. Maybe. I'm going to give them 10%. 10% of an impact on the whole yeah, story. that's fair. That's okay. fair. Hey, uh, fun fact. Did you know that between 1982 and 1989 in Ocean Springs, Mississippi, uh, children Chris... Rompolos, Eric Zala, and Jason Lamb made an amateur remake of the film called Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Adaptation. It was a shot-for-shot -shot remake made by these dudes over seven years. Spielberg saw it and congratulated the trio of young filmmakers on their accomplishment. Wow. They all played uh, the roles themselves, did all the editing, filming, everything. That's another thing that's changed. Most of modern directors today, 
and studios. Probably would have been like, take it down. Lucas, before Disney, he had this whole thing where he allowed people to do fan films. He like encouraged it. There was a whole... I remember early 2000s, okay, when I'm first starting Because where do you get, get your start? There's... I mean... I was... Did I ever tell you about how I was going to be in a Star Wars fan film? Like, yes. Some people over at Pellissippi State, I was friends with some people there, and um, they were going to do a fan film, and, and I was... I was in it. We filmed it over a weekend at Pellissippi. Uh, my character's name was Hashel. I had a yellow lightsaber and I had some cool fights. I died. And uh, yeah, I've got this scar on my neck, right? And so they saw it and they're like, oh, well, the way he should die is he should get his saber cut across his throat. So that's how I died. But the film never got finished. They ended up making a documentary about us doing that called How Not to Make a Fan Film. That did get finished. I've got a tape of it somewhere. I've got to try to find it. Yes. I've got to find it. I'm like 12, wearing my Jedi thing. They're, they, You can see like they film over a guy's shoulder. He's working on editing, and they did one of my fights. So it's like two seconds of me with the yellow lightsaber in the middle of a fight. We had blue screens. We had everything. It was so cool. That's cool. Yeah, but yeah, never got finished. But yeah, speaking of fan films. That's awesome. I have a did you know. Did you know that if you freeze frame during the Well of Souls scene, you can notice a golden pillar with a tiny engraving of R2-D2 and C-3PO from the Star Wars saga, and they are also on the wall behind Indy when they first approached the Ark. Yep, I didn't know that one. It's a cool little little Easter Easter egg. egg. They take place in the same universe. Maybe Star Wars isn't actually in the future. For us, no, it was in a, gal- it's it was in a, a galaxy long time ago. In a long time ago, but on this, on Earth, Earth is still new, relatively. That's why you never see Earth in Star Wars. It's because it's like it says, a galaxy far, far away, a long time ago. These easily could be now deities. <laughs> like Skywalker is a deity. In Indiana Jones' world. Yeah. So, I, I actually, uh, there are a lot of YouTube videos of rabbit holes you can go down of these franchises being of the same universe. Especially and, uh, one like this. It's been around for 40 years and has such a big following. Yeah, sky's the limit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any final? That's about it, man. Happy birthday to indiana jones mm-hmm. i look forward to hopefully in the future covering the other indie films yes and we know there's a fifth one currently being filmed mm-hmm. coming um, out next year yes coming out next year he has said it's it uh whether that'll be true uh he thought four was it so <laughs> i mean we'll see well i don't expect that uh indy will die though because if you know about the young indiana jones chronicles the show that they did there's a very, very old Indiana Jones with an eye patch who uh, mm-hmm. is retelling these stories. So mm-hmm. if that's canon, he's going to survive. Yeah. So we'll see. We shall see. Thank you for tuning in, guys. Uh, if you haven't watched it, watch Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Great, great, great movie. Personally, uh, what do you give it? I will tell you IMDb gave it an 8.4 out of 10. What do you personally, oh. out of 10? I think that's fair. Yeah. 
Solid B. Sure. Solid B minus. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. I'd probably give it an eight point six. Uh, putting the 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 point whatever's into it always throws. I did that recently. I did that with X Men though, didn't I? Yes, you did. Oh, I'm a hypocrite. Yeah, I don't know. I I've mean, said that for years. Eight's pretty about you. Eight's pretty good. Being a hypocrite, I've said You've that. You said a lot of things about. Me. <laughs> if they, I wish we had a printer that would print up things we've said. Please we, sign to <laughs> confirm that this is everything you've ever said in your entire life. So, guys, Indiana Jones and Loki, two completely different universes, but we've talked about them both. What do you think of all of them? Please let us know. 30andnerdypod at gmail.com. Hashtag 30andnerdypod on Twitter. The challenge uh, has not been uh, met. The TikTok nerd vocabulary word challenges, I haven't received any or seen any yet. Come on, make it happen. So, come on, guys. You know, out there in the world, if any of these nerd vocabulary words you hear, especially if you go back and listen or if you go to our website, 30andnerdypodcast.com, there is a link to nerd vocabulary words. Those are every word that has been used on the show. And I've even thrown in some that I have yet to use on the show. So, I want to see videos of people talk like, even if they're like those reaction videos, like where the person doesn't know they're filming, and they use the word, and just try to get reactions like, uh, so I was uh, with my girlfriend Katie the other day, and we were totally playing tonsil quidditch. Yeah. See how the parents react. <laughs> you ever seen uh, those videos that the jackass guys do, like Wee Man and, and Steve-O? They drive around Los to Angeles. It, like, to this day? Uh, yeah, Steve-O just did one recently. They, they drive around Los Angeles, and, you know, Los An- California's full of dudes on skateboards, and, and ladies, too. And they roll down their window, and they holler out the window, Hey, do a kickflip! And if they do it, they get some kind of t-shirt or prize uh. or whatever. So that's kind of like us with, Hey, say a nerd word. Oh... Ideas. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I'll send you a link to uh to, to Steve O doing do a kickflip. Okay. Let you check it out. Fantastic. Thank you guys. I have got to go get ready yeah, for a show. It's time. Break a leg. It's time to do my pre show regiment and my pre show shower, even though I've already showered this morning. It's just something I have to do. Pre show shower, get my playlist going, you know, with like the red and bad company yeah. and muse and all my pre-show music, my amp up, I uh, gotta get it playing, and uh, my pre-show sweet tea from pals, and got a lot to do. We are we are a very uh, uh, odd culture, theater kids. That's true. We are very odd. Well, thank you all for listening, Juice. Yeah. Thank you as always. Thank you for this beautiful outline. Oh, of course. Thank you. Got yourself a new job. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm retired. All right, nerds and nerdettes, for the doctor of nerdonomics himself, the juice is loose. Davis, I'm Tyler Mack. Cheers to you. You've been listening to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, the flagship show of Badcast Company Productions. Dirty and Nerdy Podcast is an alternate reality radio show, a member of the Legion of Independent Podcasts, and part of the Council of Nerds. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. 
Join in on the conversation using the hashtag 30andnerdypod. You can find us and other amazing podcasts at podchaser.com by searching The Apodalypse and Pod Nation. Got something to say? Email us at 30andnerdypod at gmail.com or find us at 30andnerdypodcast.com. This has been the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. Cheers to you, nerds.